Thank you. Um, so as we uh, look at this passage of scripture that, that, that uh, Ferd just read out to us, I want to remind you that we do so in the context of our covenantal series. Okay, um, That is, we are looking at this through the lens of relationship with God and how that prompts us to live a life of faith, giving him all of the glory, honour and power. The central part of this passage is Paul really drilling home that those that are followers of the way of Christ, that the church in Ephesus specifically who he'd written to, are saved by grace, which is a gift from God, and it's not a result of anything that they have done. Okay, um, in this short time, I just referenced all five of the solas, okay? God's glory alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, faith alone, and grace alone. Okay, I didn't go into any depth in them, but they're all there in the mix. They're all important. Uh, and what is of more importance is that we recognize that they stand together and they are not independent from one another. Okay, the passage of scripture that we just have, it talks explicitly to grace. But what is grace? Well, in order to answer that question, we need to have probably uh, looking at, at what scripture says. Okay, um, we have to look at, at, at Christ, at what he's done. Um, we have to look at faith and what that means. And we need to give God glory for the gift of grace that we've received. See how they all connect. And we can do that when any one of them we choose, they will all connect um, as they go. So what is grace? Well, in order to answer that, I really got to go to the, the answer the question first, what grace is not. Okay, grace is not simply um, a divine sentiment. It's not a tendency that God has, a, a, a decision that he makes to overlook our sin. That's not what grace is. It's not uh, a get out of hell free card in the game of life, taken by chance as a, as a get out of a jail free card would be in the game of Monopoly. No, grace is not God turning a blind eye to, to our sin. And the opening verses of our reading today, they tell us that we were dead through the trespasses and sins in which we once lived. I mean, following the course of the world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is not at work among those who are disobedient. Yeah? I mean, wow. Wow. Let's not beat about the bush. Okay? Following the course of this world is living in sin. And sin causes us to die. Okay? And this is very important for us to grasp here at the very beginning of our study today. Okay? In Christ, we are made new. In Christ, we get to live. However, what is it that brings us to Christ? Well, the answer that brings us to Christ that is, of course, faith. But how do we get faith? Is this something that we strive for? Is, uh, is this something that we're given by our parents? Is this something that we could just find in life if nobody has spoken to us about what this is uh, before? Well, no to all of those, really. Faith is a gift from God. Okay, if it's a gift from God, why do some people have it and some people not have it? 
Um, well, simply because he gives us the choice of whether or not to accept it. We have the choice to say yes or to reject it and say no. Remember last week I spoke about love in freedom and the barrier is there. Okay, stepping into faith means acknowledging that the barrier exists and choosing to stay within that barrier. As an example, just this week when I was driving home um, from trying to get a few things set up and ready for, for streaming and, and welcoming people into uh, in-person worship at Sanctuary, um, I heard a radio advert which said something like this. I, I, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something, do you know what mesothelioma is? And if you do, it's likely that you or someone that you love has been affected by it. And then it went on to, to, to go through uh, multiple ways of asking for more information or, or, or reaching out to, to get help. Well, I'm going to take the same approach, if you will, um, to faith. Do you know what faith in Christ is? If you do, it is likely that you have been affected by it. God calls us into relationship with him. And that has an impact on our lives and on the way that we are called to live on our very being. Okay. And not only does it have an impact on our being, it has an impact on those whom we are in relationship here on earth with. Okay. As we understand more and more of what this means, of, of, of how we are no longer our own, but we belong to Christ, how, how we're covenantally joined how that means that we have a covenant identity and, and and that that becomes the main thing in our lives okay it, it overtakes possessions it overtakes profession it overtakes people or at least it should if we are being truly affected by it and the same here as in faith the same goes for grace. Okay, we know what grace is not. It is not God turning a blind eye to the things that we do wrong. And so if that's not what it is, then what is it? Well, grace is an attitude of unmerited favour. Um, and this attitude is not a passive one. It is fully 100% active in the life of those who have faith. Okay, it, it, it's a common thing to hear today, sadly, um, that the things that people need, the things they feel they need, the things that they aspire to, the things that they desire, must be there because God put them there. God made them, and so that's part of them, and so God has given them that desire or that, or that aspiration. And that's totally and utterly, I'm going to say, nonsensical. Because forget talking about it in terms of scripture for a second. And let's just consider the basic humanity of that. Um, we all have flaws. Okay? We all have desires that we know if they are not kept in check, they're going to lead to disaster. Okay? Um, I desire a Jaguar. If I went out and bought one, that would be disastrous for my relationship with my wife. 
And that's a kind of a, a, a small funny on that idea, but you'll get where I'm going. We all have aspirations. We all have uh, desires. But if they're not kept in check, they're going to lead to disaster. And that could be linked to many different things. Aggression, addiction, approval, or unhealthy ambition, like I just mentioned about my Jaguar. Acting in whichever way that we choose to, simply because we feel like doing so, is not living in the freedom of God's love. It's not choosing to step into God's love. It's choosing to step outside of that barrier that we've already mentioned and spoke about in more depth last week. You could think of this boundary as maybe a checks and balances that we need to have as we keep walking the way of a disciple. So where does grace come from? It comes from God. Where does grace come into all of this in terms of our relationship? Well, here is where we really look at what is being said in the text today. Paul writes that we are saved by grace. And this is a very, very different, very different thing than being justified by grace. Okay, salvation and justification are separate things. They're different. Okay, there may be a connection point, but they are different. Okay, in, in, in Romans 3, Paul writes that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified and being saved, they're not the same thing. Being justified is about being validated. It's about being vindicated. It's about being valued. Justification is acceptance of God, to be welcomed into his family, to be allowed into that space, into that barriered space, to be known as one of his children. But being saved, being saved is not that. Being saved is being rescued from the fate that we deserve. Okay. Once we have been accepted that we are justified and we step into that life, we can appreciate salvation. We can find salvation. But until we are living in that barrier, until we are living in the freedom that we get from God's love, we can't, we can't appreciate, uh, we can't accept, we can't receive salvation. See, Tom Wright, when he's commenting on this, he writes that when Paul speaks of justification, the thing which marks people out is their faith. But when he speaks of salvation, the responsibility is God's. It comes about through his grace, okay? So yes, faith is a gift, but faith is a gift that we choose to accept or not. And that is how we are justified. Grace is a gift. Sorry, you don't get to say no or yes to grace. It's there. It's lavished upon you. It's like, it's like <laughs> picture of Olaf from Frozen comes to mind when he gets his own personal flurry to keep him alive. Or you've got your own personal grace flurry. Okay? Raining down on you. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. 
for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Grace is an awesome, awesome gift. But I just need to reiterate this. It is not something that we should seek out. Okay, Paul writing in Romans chapter 6, he tells us that much when he says, should we continue to sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Okay, remember, we started out our time digging into this passage today, looking at those words, we were dead through the trespasses and sins that we once lived. Having faith in Christ means living a life of repentance and of belief. It means in all the things that we do, we follow God. We give him the glory, and it means accepting that his word, scripture, is inerrant. That is, that it is incapable of being wrong. Because God is incapable of being wrong. Grace is offered, and it is through grace that salvation comes. Christ's death on the cross at Calvary was the act of atonement for all of us, when a true outpouring of grace was then widely made available. He paid the price of sin. He took on death, our punishment for all that we have done. He continues to do that today and he will continue to do that into the future. All that we do that is wrong in his eyes is wrong. But we get to live into life. We get to live into a life in him, a life in all its fullness because of his act of atonement. See, grace is not God turning a blind eye to the things that we do wrong. Grace is not in action on God's part. It's not, as I said, a sentimental gesture toward all of his creation. So we're not talking about, as disciples of Christ, having a get-out-of-hell-free card that we can pull out of our pocket which covers all of the decisions that we make, which covers all of us as we want to follow our own desires. Okay, Jeremiah 17, 9, it reads that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Okay? So when someone tells you to follow your heart, stop. Ecclesiastes 9.3 tells us that the heart of people, moreover, are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And this might seem like a sour note uh, to, to, to end on here, um, but fear not. There is good news because Psalm 37.4 tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give the desires of our hearts. That is when we delight ourselves in the Lord okay when we align our hearts with his heart and we choose to step in to life in Christ because in Christ we are made new the old has gone and the new has come and this includes our heart the more we step into Christ the more our heart is changed think about the image of the potter and the clay and as he is molding us 
And as Ezekiel uh, 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take your stony, stubborn heart and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. There is nothing greater than that grace which allows our hearts to be softened. And once you've experienced it, it changes you. It really changes you. And that experience just keeps on getting better and better as you live into what you have received. It's not that you get more grace. It's that you've been given enough. Okay? Let's not have a competition about who's had more grace. Because that's not, that's not what it's about. Like Paul said, we don't abound for more. We don't live in sin because we have been made new. Being in covenant relationship with God is truly, truly an amazing place to be. The more that you stay within that boundary, the more that you stay within that, that freedom that is wrapped up in his love, the more that he is going to work in you and through you, the more he is going to craft you, the more new that he is going to make you, he's going to be refining you, like scripture says, refining you like gold and silver. His grace, it wants to actively, actively work in your life. It wants to transform you, transforming you from the inside out, aligning your heart so that it is in line with his. Because then he can give you the things that you are asking for because it is within his will. It is within that boundary that he has set. He wants you to have the desires of your heart because he wants your heart to be aligned with his because he wants you to be living the life which he has laid out for you, the good works which he has prepared in advance for you to do. So if you hear nothing else today, please hear this. Do not trust your own heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but con do not conform, do not conform to the world. Instead, step into and remain in the love of God because there and there only is the freedom which comes from really knowing God's grace. Okay? Step into love. Receive the freedom that comes with that love and remain in his love. Because like Christ said, those who remain in my love are my friends. And so let's spend some time digging in to remaining. Another word we might use for that is abiding. Okay? And as we prepare to come to the table and receive from him in the sacrament, let's sing Abide With Me. <laughs>